they, they made us a fire. And they made us all welcome. Say they were so welcoming. Because the rain was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, I'm missing part of my scripture here. Let me look. When Paul, for some reason, it's off my notes. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper, say that's not good, it's never good, came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. Now, Brother R got stung by a red wasp yesterday. How would you like it if it was a viper? <laughs> so it came out of the, uh, because of the heat, it came out of the fire and fastened to his hand. And verse number four, so when the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man's a murderer. Even though he escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow him to live. But here's what the Lord wants you to understand. But he shook it off, the creature, the viper, into the fire. And suffered what? No harm. However, they, when they were expecting that he would swell up or suddenly fall down dead... But after they had looked for a long time, they saw no, no harm came to him, so they changed their minds. And then they said, well, he's a God. <laughs> they also got that one wrong, didn't they? I want to preach to you this morning, and I want you to get a hold of this. My friend, sometimes you just got to shake it off into the fire. Attacks will come. The devil's going to be what the devil does. The fangs are going to come out, and sometimes the venom is going to strike. But there is an answer. It's shaking it off in the fire. Would you pray? God, I loose the power of the Holy Ghost in this house. I loose the anointing and the spirit. I loose your word. I loose your, your glory. I loose your truth. I pray in the name of the Lord. Every attack of hell, every lying mindset, every, every uh, uh, spirit of oppression, every uh, attack of bitterness and offense and, and lies and sickness, we're shaking it off in the fire this morning. I loose your authority. I I lose your power. I lose your promise. I lose the prophetic word. I lose your will to be done in Jesus' name. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord. You may be seated, but don't sit down in your mind. Hebrews 12 and 29 says, For our God is a consuming fire. Fire. I mean, there couldn't be a better symbol for God than fire. It's immaterial. It is mysterious. Have you ever just watched the fire? It is visible. It is warming. It is cheering. It is comforting. But at times, it can also be terrible. And it can also be consuming. You know what I want? I want God to consume me with his fire. 
I want him to let the fire of God fall until you don't even recognize, oh, where'd the old pastor go? Oh, where, you're, there's something different about you. Yeah, I'll tell you what it is. The fire's burning. The fire's consuming. The fire's eating up my flesh and burning up that old me. When I was full of his spirit and when I went down in baptism, I want you to know he lit a fire in my soul and it's never going out. My friends, I don't have to let it go out for he is a consuming fire clap your hands unto the Lord oh I feel the Holy Ghost in this house when God wanted the seals coming in with, with Abraham you know what he did he showed up as a smoking furnace and a burning lamp and moved upon the sacrifice in 1 Chronicles 21 and 26 it was David that built an ark or excuse me, he built an altar. Pastor Noah built the ark, not David. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to get my Bible stories right. David built an altar. And on the altar, he, he sacrificed offerings. And the Bible specifically says that he called upon the Lord. I'm telling you, there's power when you call upon the Lord. We can sit in our misery and we can cry all of our tears of, oh, woe, woe is me, like, like Isaiah did. But when you begin to call upon the Lord, like David did, I've got a sacrifice and I've got an altar and I'm going to call upon the one who made me and the one that's going to take care of this situation. The Bible says that the Lord answered him from heaven by fire upon the altar. Can you imagine? It just fell and it consumed the sacrifice that God, that David was offering up to God. In 1 Kings 18 and 37, it was Elijah that prayed. He said, God, show yourself between these people who really God is. And when he began to pray, and he said, God, make these people know there's only one God. And it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And when he prayed that prayer, the Bible said that fire fell from heaven and consumed the offering. Ooh, can you feel it? Solomon, when he dedicated the temple, there he was praying, falling on his knees. And when he was done praying, the Bible says, then, then fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifice and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And when the priests tried to come in, they couldn't even enter for the glory of God was too thick. Oh, that that would happen in this place. God, let the fire fall. Let your glory be so thick that we're all on our faces before you, not able even to move, just soaking in the presence of God. Let it be. When Moses was walking in the desert, he encountered God as he stood for what? Stood before what? Burning bush. A bush that was on fire and yet was not consumed. At Mount Sinai, 
after Moses took the people of Israel outside of Egypt. He came to this mountain where they were going to sacrifice. And the Bible says that they prepared themselves before they came before God. And as they washed their clothes and, and prepared themselves, they come before the mountain and the Lord descended before Israel as a consuming fire. The Bible says the entire mountain was like on fire with smoke, like furnaces up in the air, and the mount quaked, and the people fell on their face before the Almighty God. It was John the Baptist in Matthew 3 and 11 that says, there's one that's coming after me who's greater than I. You see, John was a prophet. He was the last prophet of the old covenant. But he said there's one coming that's greater than a prophet. There's one coming that's greater than an angel. There's one coming that's greater than any man, woman, or child. And whose shoes I'm not even worthy to bow down and tie his shoes. To get, or his shoes. He said but he's going to come. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And he's going to baptize you with fire. My friends, he's come this morning to baptize you with the Holy Ghost. And to baptize you with fire. He's come here this morning to do what only God can do. To consume the offering on the altar. <laughs> you know what the problem with a lot of our altars is they're empty. Well, I can't come give an offering of praise God because my life's bad. Don't you understand God? I'm going through some things. There's a heaviness on me. So instead of putting something on the altar, I'll just put a mask on I said, oh, everything's great. Everything's wonderful. <laughs> Look at me. I'm powerful. I'm spiritual. And yet my altar's empty. There's nothing on the altar. There's nothing there. God, why aren't you consuming my altar? God, why aren't you pouring the fire out? My friend, there's got to be something on the altar for God to consume. You see, there was 500 that Jesus spoke to and said, go to the upper room. But 380 got too busy watching Netflix that they weren't able to make it there. But I'm going to tell you, everyone that made it there on that, on that Pentecost morning, oh, when they showed up and they began to pray, and they began to fall, call upon God, and they said, God, you said the promise of the Father's coming. God, you said the Holy Ghost was going to be poured out on all of those 120 that had an altar, and they laid themselves up on that altar, the Bible said, and suddenly there came a sound like a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. Clap your hands. I tell you what the Lord was saying. I don't, I don't need a sacrifice of animals or sheep or goats. Stand up, Curtis. But I need a sacrifice of a human heart. And when their hands were up and they were placing their God, he said, I'm going to put the fire on them. I'm going to consume that offering. I'm going to consume them. And I'm going to burn. But I'm not going to be just, it's not going to destroy you. It's going to empower you to face a world that's so bleak. Don't you, aren't you tired of living powerless? God said, you got to have fire, 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 Holy Ghost and fire. Look at your neighbor and say, Holy Ghost and fire. You see, the Lord God is a consuming fire. So when he poured out his spirit, it came as fire. I mean, you can feel fire. You know why God can't do anything in a dry, dead, boring service? Because there's no fire. 
He needs fire to be, to be activated on altars, consume hearts and consume flesh and consume uh, attitudes and consume all the things that he doesn't like. He's going to burn it out of us so only the best remain. He, you see, the fire brings the best of you to the surface. The fire empowers you. The fire puts a smile on your face and gives you joy. It's the fire that burns bright. It's the fire that burns and consumes the soul. It's the fire of God. My friend, you know what my prayer is God let your fire burn hot in this place let your let your fire burn hot in this in this generation in this city in this church burn in my mind burn in my in my soul burn in my heart I want a burning passion I want a burning zeal I want a burning relationship I want my life to illuminate by Christ I want to be filled with passion and zeal I don't want dry dead boring church where the altars are empty what good is that we got churches full we got churches around America full and you know what the big argument in the Methodist church is I mean the Methodist church used to have the Holy Ghost and fire in it that's why they were called met they had a method of touching God but somewhere along the way, they got dry, dead, and boring. And now the big debate in the, in the Methodist movement is, are they going to let the LGT community in? Or they have already voted to let them in, I guess. This is where we're at. Because you're going to conform to one spirit or the other. You're going to be in the spirit of God or you're going to follow the spirit of the world. I'm telling you, my friend, there's no, there's no middle ground. As hell gets hotter and as people turn more evil and wicked the light is going to bright, bright burn brighter it doesn't take much light you can just take a match and hold it up in the pitch black and it can be seen pretty clearly and my friend don't conform to the darkness be not conformed to this world don't let the political correctness or woke movements transform your minds the bible's still real it's still the eternal word and it's going to last forever and everything else is going to be passed away what we need is a refreshing of the Holy Ghost. We need Acts 2 around here. We need the power of God to fall. We need a moving of God from the pulpit to the front doors. We need people falling down on the grass as they're walking up to the door because God's just consuming them. They can't even get to the door. We need people to drive in the parking lot and begin to speak in the heavenly language because God is just touching them. We need to illuminate the city and burn the city with the power and passion of the Holy Ghost. Oh, I feel it. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, my God's a consuming fire. He's, a, he's, a, he's a burning. That's why when you get the Holy Ghost, you feel it. <laughs> I mean, you don't just sit there. You, 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 I'm telling you, it's those landmark moments. John, like, can you imagine if we did the Azusa Street and we are like, or Azusa Street, if we did... Uh, Spirit of Anak, we're just like, no, we're just going to keep it calm tonight. <laughs> we don't want any of that fast music. We don't want any of that, you know, that, that, that loud chanting and praying. And we'll just be quiet. We're just going to have a soft, sweet little, comfortable Spirit of Anak. You can't even imagine it. When is the last time we had a nice little, sweet, comfortable service where lives were changed? I can't remember one. Where everything was like three songs, and then we, uh, the preacher preached short, and yeah, I can't remember that either. And uh, <laughs> you almost didn't have time to put your, you know, your 
um, reservations in your phone before I was done preaching. You remember those services? No, you don't. Always thinking about where we're going to go eat, what we're going to do after service. See, this is what happens. The fire dies. But it's those landmark services where the fire is burning bright. Where the Holy Ghost is moving, where the preacher's insane, and where the music team is playing the keyboard until their fingers fall off. And, and the next thing you know, you look up and all the music team's dancing. They're not even up there singing anymore. It's those landmark moments where God just shows up. You know, I can't explain everything. I don't want to explain everything. I just know that sometimes God shows up and he does what God only can do. I don't want to control God. I want God to control us. I want God to move. I want God to, I want God to transform. And when God shows up, it's when the fire begins to burn hot and lives begin to change and tears begin to flow and emotions begin to be stirred and you can't just sit there something begins to happen it's on those moments of those fire services where your life was changed and you were transformed forever forever you think about the moments you were changed i promise you the fire touched you promise you you see, this is what the Lord does. He, he shows up in our own personal burning bush where the fire is burning hot and it's, yet it's not consuming, it's empowering. And the Lord is taking us deeper and he's taking you deeper and he's growing you spiritually. He's giving you revelation. He's opening your understanding. He's letting you experience things you never experienced before. And all of a sudden you're walking in the flow of the Spirit. And you wake up the next day and you're empowered. Whew, where's the devil? I'm after him. <laughs> You're laying hands on doorknobs and life fixtures. And have you, or is it just me? You know, <laughs> maybe I need to see a counselor. Uh, but you know, you just feel powerful. And how dare the devil? What, what's going? You're connected to the flow of the spirit. You're you're standing in the flow. The fire is burning, and 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 you know what? You just you just know that something transformed in your life. And this is how we're supposed to live. This is what God's doing. And this is what God has done to many of you this year. Whether it be the Spirit of Antioch or another service, God has empowered you to walk in the Spirit. Now I want to take you to Acts 2, which we read, because, excuse me, 28, which we read. Because this is where God showed me. He said, this is where the church is at. And you need to tell your people. Because there's, there's power and understanding. And so this is a true story. It really happened. Paul truly uh, was in this situation. I'll just kind of set it up for you. But inside this true story, there's some spiritual principles that God wants to show us this morning. Because it's not good enough just to know what happened to Paul. I want to know how does it affect my life? How does it affect your life? And what can we learn from it? So Paul was a prisoner. He was heading to Rome because he had appealed his case before Caesar. And he was sailing uh, in the place called the Fair Havens. Sounds like a very beautiful place, and yet uh, no one wanted to stay there because apparently it's a terrible place to winter at. But the Lord told Paul, don't let them leave, you know, the ship. Don't let them go. There's danger. So Paul goes to, you know, he knows the Lord. He heard the Lord. He goes to the, the captain. He goes to the centurion that's over him. You know, he's just a prisoner, but he says, don't launch the ship. We need to stay right here because there's danger in the sea. Well, Who's Paul? He's just a prisoner. So they heard him and they said, no, we're, we're going anyway. They ignored his words and they set sail. And it was just a short time later that they encountered trouble. Surprisingly, right? <clears throat> now, 
Whenever there's a really bad storm, what do they do? Tropical storm, what? They name it. (laughs) And when you're in a storm that's named, it's a very bad storm. And so Paul was in this ship as they're entering this storm. And guess what? This storm had a name. (laughs) Euroclidon or something like that. Euroclidon. It's all Greek to me, right? (laughs) It's a bad joke, I know. Okay. (laughs) 14 days. Think about this. 14 days. Where were you 14 days ago? Two weeks ago? We were here, hopefully. What was going? What were you wearing that day? I don't know if we any of us remember. What'd you go eat? Your fourteen days ago seemed like such a long time ago, and yet fourteen days, the sky was black. They didn't see the sun. They couldn't see the stars. They didn't know where they were. They were being tossed to and fro. It was darkness around, up and down, 30-foot gigantic wave, side to side, up and back. I mean, you talk about sickness. You talk about fearing for their lives. You talk about uh, not knowing if they're going to make it out of it. 14 days of darkness, 14 days of hopelessness. And it was in those conditions when everything was upside down and backwards and they were literally being thrown around in a storm that the apostle Paul found a place to pray and he began to call upon the Lord and as he began to call upon the Lord an angel showed up and began to speak to him and the angel said fear not Paul the ship's going to be destroyed that's not exactly the word I wanted to hear well let's try this again you're an angel you came from heaven I want the ship saved. (laughs) And the angel says, be of good cheer. I mean, I don't know if you can meet a sad angel. Be of good cheer. The ship's going down. But you all are going to be saved. 276 souls on that ship. The angel said, if if they'll obey you, if they won't abandon ship, not one of them will be lost. And so the Apostle Paul had to give up and get up and give the news to all those sick. I mean, I see him, picture him laying all over the deck, hanging on dear life. They've, they've thrown up so much, they, they're just skeletons for, by now. They're, they're so sick. And Paul has to stand up and say, God spoke to me. We're going to lose the ship. But God said, your lives are going to be saved if you'll listen to me. You didn't listen to me in Fair Havens, but the Lord sent an angel to listen to, and told me to tell you, you better listen or your lives are going to be lost. I mean, you talk about a change of attitude. Their ears, ears all perked up. <laughs> no longer do they ignore his words. So the ship got like a, like a bullet almost. It got just thrown into this spot where the front of the ship hit this ground area. They're right by this island. But there was two currents, very strong currents. They were in a very bad shape. Ship, not, <laughs> ship shape, whatever. They're really bad shape, is what I'm trying to say. And one current was coming this way, another current this way. And what happened is it became just a, like a, uh, have you ever seen a fire hose hit a piece of wood? And what that, what that wood would do, it would just destroy that piece of wood. That's what was happening. It was like two fire hose, massive currents slamming against both sides of the ship. And it was just tearing that ship up into pieces. And so as those violent currents beat against the ship and they, uh, they, they tore, uh, 
it was turning into pieces. They, 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 just, they all abandoned ship. They grabbed boards, they broke in pieces of ship, and they, they swam to the shore there, and they escaped death. And all 200-plus people got there that day, and they were on this island called Melita. Now imagine if you had just experienced this trial of devastation. Imagine if you were the Apostle Paul, and you're finally, after 14 days, on solid ground. How thankful you would be. God kept his word. You're all safe. And this is where the natives met them in Acts 28 and 2. And the natives showed them unusual kindness. Oh, this is great. The natives came and they kindled some fire. They welcomed them. And so now the Apostle Paul and all 276 people got to sit down. They were cold. There was rain. And They've, they've, they've escaped death, and here they were. And I'm sure mentally and uh, physically and even spiritually, the Apostle Paul was tired. I mean, he was human after all, but now he made it. He can rest. He can sit by the fire, and he can feel the warmth of it and be restored. All of the past trials and past experiences, that's all over with. The season of darkness is over. The shipwreck is past. We're safe by the fire now. My friend, this is a metaphor in a lot of ways. But I'm going to tell you, this is how Jesus calls us out of darkness. Our life was basically a shipwreck when he came and he found us. We were broken. We were in darkness. We were in fear and trembling. And then we met someone who had Jesus burning inside of them. And that person with a smile on their face welcomed us and brought us in. And they had a music team that kindled a fire. And they had a crazy preacher that just began to preach until something began to spark. And I'm going to tell you, all of us were the same way. We came in and we felt the warmth of another person's fire and we sat by there and we were mentally and physically restored and spiritually restored because the church began and started a fire. I'm going to tell you, church, wonderful church people, the fire you start is just not for yourself. The fire you start is just not for you to get warmed by. But God is bringing in people that their life is broken. It's a shipwreck and they're about to die. And God is he's bringing them to your little island of life. And he's saying, I want you to welcome them. I want you to love them. And I want you to kindle a fire in the Holy Ghost for them. And they're going to start getting warmed and restored in the presence of God. I'm so thankful for those that, that lit a fire when I was in my first few services. You know, when you come to God, you don't know how to start a fire. I mean, it's like taking someone and dropping them in the woods and say, good luck, start a fire. And you're just banging any old two rocks together. Nothing's happening, you know? I mean, you better take Randy with you if you're going to go start a fire. <laughs> he got a trick. He, he'll take that, that gunpowder out of his shell, and he'll show, I'll show you how to do it. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I can't, before, you get, before you get around apostolic people, you, you try to start these fires and nothing happens. You go, to all, you go to every church in town, nothing's happening. You talk to every preacher, you, you, you read the Bible, and it just seems like 
You don't know how to start a fire. And then you walk into an apostolic church and it may be different. And it may seem a little crazy and the people might seem a little off. But there's one thing, there's, so, there's something else that you, you understand. There's a heat in this house. There's a fire in this place. There's an anointing that I didn't feel in the other churches. I've been to the mega church. I've been to the small church. I've been to the medium-sized church. And I didn't feel what I felt here. There's something in this house. Because when you get full of people, when you get around people that have apathy, apostolic anointing fire within them. They kindle a fire for you and for me and for anyone that walks in that door. But my friend, there comes a place where you got to start. You got to stop depending on everyone else to start the fire for you. You know, you can't. It's okay if you're two years old and you're in diapers, right? And I heard this saying, but don't get mad at me. Get mad at the guy that said it. Uh, but there's something wrong if you're 14 and still in diapers, right? Somebody's got to always start the fire for me. You know, I've been in church for years and years and years and years and years, and I still need Sister Carrie to, if you'll just play that, that special song, Sister Carrie, and just do something for me. My friend, there comes a place where you're going to have to get up and do something yourself. You're going to have to find some wood and put some wood on the, on the altar. You're going to have to find some wood and put it on the, on the fire and keep the fire going. My friend, don't always be depending on your neighbor because the neighbor that you're always depending on, maybe they come in one day and they need your strength and your help and they need you to bring some firewood to the altar and they need you to be an encouragement. They've always been the encouragement for you, but they need it from you now. And so the Apostle Paul gets up and he goes... He gathers a bundle of sticks and he lays them on the fire. I mean, Proverbs is full of wisdom, and there's a scripture I love. It says, Where there is no wood, the fire goes out. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty simple and elementary, and yet it's so profound, isn't it? Have you ever sat around the fire and it just suddenly just was out? It's like, well, why did the fire go out? Well, of course, no one put wood on it. My friend, the same is true in the spiritual life. I'm gonna tell you, my friends. If you don't put spiritual life on the altar, the fire will go out. If you're always waiting for Sunday to Sunday or Sunday to Wednesday, Wednesday to Sunday, I'm telling you, there's more time you're going to be away from the fire than in the fire. You better put some spiritual wood. You better gather it. You better have daily prayer in your life. You better have some times of reading the Bible and meditating upon His Word. What does it mean? What are you trying to say, God? Show me. There needs to be times of fasting. There needs to be coming to prayer meetings. And Depending on your age, you need to go to youth or hyphen. You need to be connected to what's happening in this church so that you can have, you can be a connected because when I'm connected to you and you're connected to me and I'm connected to my brother, my brother connected to my sister, there's a greater fire than we're all by ourselves. But we better gather some spiritual wood and lay it on the altar. We need to come in the house of God with true worship. I'm telling you, worship should not be based on how you feel because you're going to walk in this house so many times not feeling like the worship. Worship should be based on revelation of who he is and what he's done for you. Did he save you? Did he wash you? Did he take your filthy, nasty sins and take them to the cross? Did he come off the, the throne of heaven down to the gutter of your sin and pick you up out of the most filth and horrific life and take you and cover you? Because if he did that for you, then he deserves your greatest worship. He deserves your best. He deserves a heart that lifts up a hand and opens a mouth and proclaims the songs of Zion from a, from a truly thankful heart. This is what 
puts wood on the fire. You see, without any of this, the Holy Ghost can't burn bright in your life. It just won't. It'll be like sparks. Have you ever been in the darkness and you used to be a spark? What's that? Oh, that's the Holy Ghost. And you run over there. Oh, someone's got the Holy Ghost. Oh, yeah, it feels warm. Oh, so nothing. A spark over here. Oh. And I think we're doing that as a, as a, not just our church, but I think we're doing that as an entire denomination. Oh, let me run to that conference and this conference and that conference and this conference and this preacher and this preacher and that preacher. And when are we going to wake up and understand, you know what, that same Holy Ghost power that's in all those that are starting the sparks is in you. If you'll just learn to put some wood on the altar, if you'll just learn to put some wood on the fire, the Holy Ghost can burn bright. I mean, it was the sons of Aaron. They had, think about this, they had the responsibility to put wood on the altar. That was their job. You got one job, put the wood on the altar. <laughs> it was a fire that God started. But they got busy <laughs> doing other things, daydreaming. This is boring. I don't want to put wood on the fire. And they come back and the fire went out. Friends, this is how it is in people's lives. They let the fire go out. And then they need someone else to help them start the fire again. And they live in a constant cycle of this. Apostle Paul wasn't so. He knew how to physically go get the wood. Sometimes you got to take physical action and go do things. And he knew how to spiritually keep the fire burning bright even when he was in a hurricane. But as he put the wood on the fire, the Bible says a viper came out because of the heat and fastened to his hand. I mean, this was a poisonous snake. Think about it. And it was hiding somewhere in the log or in the wood. And, and when he carried it, he didn't even know it was there. It was dark and it was cold and it was raining. And that snake was not wanting to be seen. It was wanting to stay hidden beneath the surface. But this is how the devil works. He, he wants to hide in your life and not be seen. He wants to do his things in the darkness of night and cast his troubles and, and stir up all kinds of things in your life. It's hidden in in the woods somewhere but when the apostle Paul threw those sticks on the fire the Bible says that the viper came out everyone say the viper came out now why would the viper come out right then the Bible is clear because of the heat <laughs> because of the heat you see the viper was cozy inside this wood until it was thrown in the fire. And this is what I know. When you get your life right with God, and you start getting the fire of the Holy Ghost burning bright, and you start having momentum, those services that change your life, landmark experiences, and you start getting motivation and momentum, and you start praising God, and you're not the same, and the Holy Ghost is burning in your home, in your car, at your job, at the church. You're not the same. What's happened to you? The Holy Ghost has got a hold of you. Well, all of a sudden, then guess what begins to happen? The vipers, they come out. All the things that always have pulled you down. 
All the things that have always attacked you. All the things that have kept you bound, kept you in prison, kept you, uh, oh, they came in the, in the night, you know, and they, they snuck to you and they whispered those thoughts in your mind. And, and they came against you and they said, oh, you can't have that fire. You can't have that power. Who do you think you are? Look at you. You're just a sin. You call yourself a Christian. You call yourself apostolic. Look at yourself. The Lord, re- he le- takes one look at you and he rejects you. You're nothing but a failure. And he puts all this nonsense in our mind. And all of a sudden, when we reject it all and we get in the presence of God and we begin to prophesy the things of God and we begin to claim his promises, the viper, he feels the heat and he comes out and he attacks you because he doesn't know what to do. No longer can he do it in, in darkness. No longer can he do it when you're asleep or at night. So he exposes himself and with all the venom he has, he attacks you with everything he's got. Whew. Chris said it right. The devil's scared to death. He's always going to work in the background until he's afraid. Oh, what are these people going to do? What are these people doing? I got to do something. And so here's what's happening. The Lord showed me he's attacking you. The devil's attacking you. Because of the heat that's been stirred up in this house. I see it all around me. I felt the weight of it myself this week. As soon as you keep your life burning with the Holy Ghost, you're praying, you're repenting, you're seeking God. You've got a red hot fire. You're waking up and praying. You're waking up middle of the night. You're dreaming about Jesus. All of a sudden, that old serpent, he begins to show up in your life. And here is the, see, here is the problem. And here's what's so hard for us. This is what God told me. This is what's so hard for us to wrap our mind around. Because we just made it through a storm. We just came through a hurricane of darkness. And we prayed in desperation. An angel came and saved us. And so then we came into the presence of God among the fire. And everything's supposed to be okay right now. But then the viper attacks. And it's so hard for us to endure it because it goes against everything we thought was going to happen. I was going to sit at this fire and stay warm. I was going to get totally restored. You see, the hardest thing for us to to really embrace is disappointment. Why does this happen, God? Why a venomous snake? Why attack now? I mean, I've been praying like I've never prayed. I had a guy tell me last week. He told me, he said, he said, I've, I've had a relationship with God for two years, and I've been walking in the spirit. He said, but ever since the spirit of Antioch, and I came to your church, <laughs> he said, everything's been turned upside down. <laughs> I said, yeah, because that always happens. Because all those crevices and those creases and those holes in, in your life that the devil was, was hiding, he has to come out because he can't stay in the fire. He can't handle it. And so the devil uses the heat to get the devil out, to expose himself. And the devil, we wish he would just come out and just, you know, burn up and die, really. Crawl off somewhere else. I mean, there's two... T- <laughs> I could see the Apostle Paul thinking, I don't know if he thought this, probably not, but this is what I would think. I mean, God, there's 276 people, God. Really, me? You ever feel that way? (laughs) 
The viper was fastened to his hand. You think about this. The Apostle Paul's hand with a viper on it. The hands used to lift up and praise God. The hands used to lay hands on the sick and recover. Now there's venomous bang stuck into his hand. And here's the hard part. This is what's hard. Verse 4. When the natives saw the creature hanging on the hand, they said, well, no doubt this man's a murderer. <laughs> now there's misjudgment. Oh, they're really spiritual. This thing wouldn't be happening. They're really a Christian. This wouldn't be happening in their life. And maybe the thought's happening in, to yourself. People begin to misjudge you and misjudge your character and misjudge who you are and misjudge what all you're about. My friend, this is how the devil attacks. It's venom of, of attacks on the emotions, on the mind, on, the, on the, we, the confusion. Because we thought we just made it through the storm. And we thought everything was going to be all right now. And now the venom is going through our body. And people are judging us. And people are attacking us. And we're feeling the venom get a hold of us. And Satan has you in his cross here. And he's going to throw all out attack. Because he knows it's now or never. You're either going to die and wither on the vine or you're going to become the man or woman of God that stands as a prophetic catalyst in your generation. And he said, I'm going to throw everything at you. And he's come to steal and to kill and destroy. The battle is raging. The venom is flowing. And my friend, what are you going to do at that moment? And I've watched this so many times as pastor. This very moment, it's so critical. And I've watched people get so mad and defensive you know, the hardest thing I think to do is, is to feel misjudged. You ever feel that way? Crystal, we have, or never mind, I'm sorry, you're praying. I'm going to wrap up pretty quick. I know what time I started. The hardest thing I think for people to handle is being misjudged. Have you ever felt misjudged? Have you ever been misjudged? The natural reaction is to defend yourself. I, uh, I remember last year I spent, <laughs> I don't even know how many weeks, I spent a long time in Romans 1, I just want to give you an example, to Romans 8, I never made it through the whole book, I spent, I think, five months, almost 30 sermons on eight chapters, I felt like God was trying to get us to dig deep and put a foundation, and I don't know, I know it probably did a lot for you, but it did a lot for me. And so I tell you that to tell you this. I was in a, a meeting with somebody that was going through some things. And this person told me that they just wished I would preach from the Bible. <laughs> and the first thing in my mind was defend myself. I mean, it's been 30 weeks on eight chapters. I don't know how you can go any, you know, slow it down any, I mean... <laughs> If I slowed it down anymore, we'd be on chapter one still, right? But this is what the Lord spoke to me while I was sitting in my office. It's not you that she's mad at. She doesn't like my word. Ooh. Wow. My friend, the devil's always going to attack the word of God. And when you hold on to the word, he's going to attack that word. 
When you get revelation, he's going to attack that revelation. When you start going forward with God, he's going to attack that. Because, my friend, the devil doesn't want you to get the word. And so he's going to use people to misjudge you and attack you. And you're going to make up at that point. Are you going to defend yourself and rise up? Or are you going to act like Paul and say, no, no, I don't think I'm going to allow this to get to my heart. I don't think I'm going to let this bitterness get to me. I don't think I'm going to let this offense get to me. I may be in a shipwreck. I may be in a circumstance that I didn't see. I may feel like people don't understand where I'm coming from, misjudging my motives, misjudging my intent, misjudging my spiritual level, misjudging my character. But no, 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 I'm not going there. I'm just going to throw it back in the fire. I'm going to throw it back in the fire. I'm going to throw it back in the fire. Because on the end of those statements is a hook. The devil wants to yank you out. Yank you out of those prayer meetings. Yank you out of the church. Yank you out of the Holy Ghost anointing. Yank you out of your promises. Yank you out of what God's doing in your life. But Paul said, no, no, I'm just going to shake it off. I'm shaking it off in the fire. I'm shaking it off at the altar. I'm shaking it off in the prince of God. I'm going to be like Teflon. It's not going to affect me. I'm just shaking it off. Those words won't penetrate the heart. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to care about you because I really do care about you. And I'm going to know you didn't really mean it. I'm shaking it off in the fire. I'm going to tell you the truth. You can't let Satan have one inch, one inch, not one inch. I don't care what people say, do, or, or how they act. Don't give Satan one inch. Because when people are not right with God, they, allow, they speak the words for Satan. Here's the thing. When you're right with God, you speak for God. But when you're not right with God, you can be used of Satan. You can be. Look at Job's wife. Don't give him one inch. I'm going to tell you why the devil's come. He's come for one reason, to take your fire from you. He's come to lie to you. He's come to confuse you. And he's come to put the spirit of fear on you. He's even come to make you doubt every promise that he's given you. Because in the end, when he's done with you, he's going to wipe his hands and he's going to leave you helpless. He's going to leave you in a place of misery. He's going to have, to, he's going to have stole and killed everything that God promised for you. But my friend, I don't really care when he shows up. I don't even care why he shows up. I don't even care what his evil motives are. I'm just going to shake it off in the fire because there's one thing I know. He can't handle the fire. He can't handle the fire. He can't handle the fire. I'm going to shake it back into the fire. Think about it. They were at the Last Supper. The power of God was there. Jesus was about to go to the crucifixion. But there was one disciple that had opened the door to the lies of Satan. And no one knew who it was. In fact, they all said, who is it? When Jesus said, there's one that's going to betray you. None of them looked at Judas and said, oh, it's obvious. They didn't know who it was. But on that, at that moment, when he was sitting there with Jesus at that last supper, the Bible says that the devil was exposed and he came into Judas. Because when the fire gets hot, the devil always gets exposed. The devil always shows up. You always know who's being used by, by the devil. But I'm going to tell you, the power of God is so powerful that the devil could not be found in the upper room on that Pentecost Sunday because he can't stay around the heat. In fact, Judas got up and ran out because he couldn't handle being in the presence of Jesus. 
I don't care what the devil wants to do. I don't care what he's trying to do. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed before. Church, you're going to have to pray like you never prayed before. You're going to have to worship like you never worshiped before. You're going to have to speak faith. You're going to have to speak victory. You're going to have to stand on prophetic visions. And you're going to have to claim, thus saith the Lord. I'm going to speak until God moves. I'm going to speak until I see the promise of God come to pass. Hallelujah. And when I don't know what else to say, I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to speak in that heavenly voice. And as Paul said, I'm going to let my spirit pray. As Romans says, as the Holy Ghost moves and he shows us what to pray, what we don't know what to pray. My friend, I'm going to shout. You're going to shout. We're going to clap. We're going to get a hold of God because we're going to allow the heat to get turned up. We're going to bring the fire with us when we come to the house of God. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're not stopping. We're marching forward oh I feel the Holy Ghost you see a lot of you came in this house this morning without fire you came in here without any wood you came in here totally depleted this is why I knew I felt it when John told me he had a word I knew I didn't want to I mean I wasn't trying to be lack of faith but I know what I feel my friend you got to come in with, 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 a, with a spark of life I mean, I don't want to have a resurrection service every Sunday morning, you know. All right, everyone that's dead, come up here. We're going to pray for you. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tell you, when, the, when you live like that, the devil's going to be standing right outside that front door with a fire hose. And as you walk out, you're going, to be, you're going to get the fire in the house of God. When you walk out, he's going to slam you at that firehouse and put that fire out. Because he can't handle, he can't have, handle a Christian or an apostolic that has fire in him. I mean, look at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. <clears throat> the Bible says that they said this, and I love it. <laughs> so many times we want certainties. You know, you, you buy this, or you, you, you know, or you, if it doesn't work, you get your money back, right? Shadrach, Meshach, whatever, those three people. <laughs> and I'm coming to a close quick. But they said, O oh, king, we're not careful to answer you. We have no idea what's going to happen. But I want you to know this one thing. I'm not going to bow down to your golden idol. Oh, I love it. Do your worst to me, king. The Bible says the devil, the, 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 the devil, the king got so red in the face mad that he threw him in the fire seven or eight times hotter than normal that even the guards died as they threw him in the fire. But to his astonishment, as they were in the fire, he began to look and he said, did not we throw three men, Curtis? Why do I see four? And all of a sudden he said, one looks like the son of the son of man. I'm going to tell you, my friend, when you get in the fire, God is going to show up right there in the midst of you. The son of man, the power of God. He's going to be right there. And there's not going to be one thing that hurts you. There's not going to be one band. The Bible says the thing that shat, that held their arms by it burned off. But not one head on their hair was burned. Not one clothes was stenched. When they came out, they didn't even smell like smoke because God shows up in the fire. Oh, he does. So verse 6, they who expected... That he would swell up and suddenly fall dead. <laughs> is what they expected in natives. But after they looked for a long time, there was no harm. Everyone said there's no harm. No swelling, no redness, no reaction from Paul. 
he just shook it off in the fire as if it never happened and went back to, to soaking in the fire, sitting there at the log. I'm going to tell you, my friend, this is what the Lord spoke to me. There's four ways the devil attacks, and you need to hear me this morning. I'm going to, I'm going to do these rapid fire. In the end times, the Lord specifically says there's four attacks coming from Satan, and you need to be aware of them. The first one is being offended. Wow. Being offended. Matthew 24 and 10. And then shall many be offended. Many will be offended. And they will betray each other. And they will hate one another. No, I hate you because you offended me. You said something I don't like. I hate you now. (laughs) Sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Sounds like a child on a playground. You swing on the wrong swing, so now I hate you. <laughs> and yet this is, this is the attack that's going to be used on the end time church. The next one is he- emotional heaviness. Ooh. Master, pray for me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to show you. I don't make this stuff up. It's in the Bible. <laughs> I just act it out. <laughs> Luke 21, 34. Take heed, heed to yourself. Be careful. Lest any time your hearts be overcharged. That's, that means it's overwhelmed. Your heart is overwhelmed. And you turn to other things. You turn to surfing on the internet. I think that's what that means. You turn to... <laughs> I know it doesn't, but it should... You turn to drunkenness or character. You turn to fleshly things. I am so overwhelmed that I'm just going to veg out on Netflix. I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just going to scroll through Facebook. I'm not even going to think about anything. I'm so overwhelmed, I'm just going to whatever. Emotional heaviness. So there's offense, there's emotional heaviness. There's the opposite extreme, emotional numbness. Matthew 24 and 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Your heart can't feel nothing anymore. You're just emotionally numb. And the last one is fear. Luke 21 and 26. People's hearts will fail because of fear. Wow. But here's what it says. And I'm closing with, I've got this much notes left. Now I've got to finish this, okay? (laughs) This much is not very long. You guys don't. You guys don't sound excited. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if you guys believe me or not. You know, I'm not so sure. We'll see when we we'll we'll believe it when we see it. Right? Uh, Matthew 16 and 17. But I'm closing this. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. That's power. They shall speak with new tongues. Whew. That and I'm going to tell you, my friend. That's Holy Ghost. They shall. Look at the two. They shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick. That's healing. They shall recover. I want to back up. Two weeks ago, we had a lady come to this church, and she was scared to come because she asked the person that was going to come. She said, no, are they going to have snakes in the service? <laughs> Jonathan, go get the snakes. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> What foolishness. I just read it. I didn't read the article, but I just read that, that some preacher that did snake handling 
got bit and died. And I was like, that's what you deserve. Because the Bible says, don't tempt the Lord. Why would you bring snakes in? Why would you drink poison? What, what, what are you thinking? This is not talking about doing it on purpose. It's talking about spiritual authority if it happens on accident. But the Lord told me there's, an under, there's a deeper meaning that connects to the emotions, and it's this. If you take up serpents, that's the attack of hell, okay? So one's the attack of hell. If you drink any deadly thing, this is the words of other people. Satan attacks. Drink the poison. It will not hurt you if you get the revelation that all you got to do is shake it off in the fire. I don't have to accept it. I don't care what the devil does. I don't care what she says. I don't care what he said. I don't care what they do. I don't care how much they've attacked me. I'm not going to allow the deadly thing to hurt me. I'm not going to allow the vapor bite to kill me because I'm going to shake it off in the fire. I'm going to shake it off in the fire. I'm going to shake it off in the fire. I'm going to get in the fire where God is burning. I'm going to find myself in the altar and I'm going to let God do what God can do because only God can fix this circumstance. I'm I'm going to shake it. And what the Lord told me to tell you is shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Shake it off. Don't let it penetrate the heart. Don't let it penetrate the heart. Would you stand with me? I don't have time to go into it. I wish I did, but I need another hour to do it. <laughs> Not really. But if you read it in the context of the end time church, he says persecution will come because they hate Christians, they hate us. I don't, I don't know, you know, we're going through a month of uh, LG, I always get the letters mixed up, LGBT, they, yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying. I mean, they keep adding letters, and I don't even know what they stand for. But nevertheless, we're going through that pride month, whatever. So the other day I was in, a, I know it's hard if you guys, you know, you got, you got kids, you're trying to, you're trying to teach them right, and it's all around them. It's everywhere. It's in their cartoons. It's everywhere. It just sickens me. The other day, they, were, they had some kind of pin that they were putting on all the major baseball players. And there was four guys that were just, they didn't say anything negative about the community. They didn't say anything against people of that affiliation. They just said, we're not going to wear the pin. It's against our religion. I don't know what, what they are, who they are. But man... All of hell came after them, saying they are haters. They are the worst people. They're worse than Hitler. They, are, they, 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 should be, they should be taken down to the gallows and hung right now. And I thought, wow, if that's what they think of baseball players that won't wear a pin, what do they think about the apostolic church? My friend, we're going to be persecuted because they hate Jesus. They hate his words. They hate his commandments. They hate what he likes. And they love what he hates. But in Luke 21 and 13, this is what I'm going to tell you. If you'll learn to shake it off in the fire. If you'll learn to shake it off in the fire. Luke 21 and 13 says this. And it will be turned to you for a testimony. The attacks of hell. The viper, the snakes, the people, the offense, the betrayal, the hatred, the hurt, the heaviness, the numbness, the fear, 
He said, if you'll just hold on, shake it in the fire. God's going to turn it into testimony in your life. And people are going to stand back like those natives, watching for the swelling, watching for the reaction, watching for the bitterness, watching for the hatred. And they're going to say, what's wrong with you? Everything's, I know what you've been through. I've watched what you're going through. And you're still full of love. And you're still full of kindness. And you still got a smile on your face. And you still got joy. What is your secret? Because my friend, when you learn to shake it off in the fire, you can keep your joy. And you can keep your peace. And you can keep your strength. And you you can keep your promises and you can keep your anointing and you can keep your relationship with God. I don't have to go back. I'm not going back. I'm diving in the river. I'm going in the river. I'm staying in the flow. I'm not going back. Hallelujah. Oh, when you lift your voices up to heaven, when you lift your voices up to heaven. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, the Holy Ghost is in this house. Hallelujah. We're going to have a baptism in a minute. But before we do, if God's speaking to you, if you came in here empty, but you need, you want to leave full and you didn't respond to the earlier invitation, or even if you did respond, but you want more, my friend, God's not done yet. He's in this house, but it's going to take, it's going to take you saying, I'm going to walk through that door. My friend, these altars are open. Won't you come? And won't you just get a hold of God for a few moments before we leave? And won't you shake some things off into the fire? Some things that have pulled you down this week. Some things that have been heavy upon your heart. Some things that have come against your mind and against your heart. Why don't you shake it off in the fire and let it go this morning? I'm going to lay it at the fire of the altar. I'm going to lay it because you're a consuming fire, oh God. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, lift your voices, church. Lift your voices up to heaven. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I speak victory over every life, over every family. I speak victory over every Every stronghold is brought down. I speak victory. I speak victory. We're bringing home every son and daughter. Rulers of darkness have to bow. I speak victory. Dog. 